This is Money, Motivation, and Mike, and I am your host, Michael Wainwright, in charge of all the controls, audio engineer, Jason Wright. And hello to you, world. This is the show that will change your life. You can contact us at info at mx3.vip and find all our content at mx3.vip or on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at MX3 Podcast. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon to get notified of all of our content, which comes out every Monday morning around 9 o'clock. Couple of couple of notes here that Jason handed me here before we went on the air. The Republican National Convention this year, and, and, and obviously being an election year, and us covering a lot of politics on our show, uh, the Republican National Convention this year is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and it's July 15th through the 18th. The Democrat National Convention is in Chicago, Illinois, August 19th through the 22nd. So for those of you who are interested in attending, there it is. Get your get your reservations, etc. book now because I'm sure it'll be a large event. And, you know, now that it being uh, the presidential election year and the first time that we've had these conventions since the uh, January the 6th uh, situation and 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 President Biden's uh, administration here are the first term coming to an end, depending on whether he gets reelected or not. This might be a very interesting convention, Jason, and I'm looking forward to uh, not only watching this, but tuning in and who knows, maybe we can find somebody we can interview. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss that on a, on another, another day and another episode today. We're going to continue with another uh, tax return episode today. Last week, we sketched on a lot of things such as tax rates and tax deductions, standard deduction, uh, et cetera, et cetera, uh, uh, filing status, dependents. And today, we're going to get into the next phase of what I call the extension of the Form 1040, which is the schedules. And there, there's more than just the normal schedules that, that I'm fixing to touch on, but these particular schedules, which is Schedule A through F all have different meanings. They're the schedules that a lot of your extracurricular activities or businesses, et cetera, go on. And frankly, these, these schedules really haven't changed a whole lot over the last 30 plus years that I've been involved in the business. But nevertheless, there's a lot of people who don't know a lot about them. And of course, we have a younger audience uh, that, that comes into our viewing and uh, listening audience on a regular basis. So Important we go through these, and and maybe you didn't know either, and you've been doing your taxes a long time, when this is something that you should have uh, been focused on at a later date, and, and today is not too late. So first schedule right off the bat is Schedule A, which is your itemized deductions, and this is the deduction you would take if you're able to itemize your deductions, and if not, the standard deduction, which we discussed on the, on the last episode. The first thing on the itemized deductions, and frankly... Is very difficult to do, which is your medical and dental expenses. Now, remember, medical and dental expenses are deductible if you can itemize. And also, the first seven and a half percent of your wage is the threshold that you have to meet before you can deduct medical. So, you make $100,000, the first seven and a half percent of that is excluded. 
that gets you up to the threshold. So you'd have to have $7,501 worth of medical expenses to be able to take $1. Obviously, if you made fifty grand, you cut it in half, $3,750, you'd have to have $3,751. Medical, you can deduct, but it is very, very difficult to deduct medical expenses. Uh, the, the next item on, on the itemized deductions is our taxes. Your state and local income taxes that you pay to the state and local governments is deductible. Your personal property taxes, uh, such as um, you going out here, and which also factors into the sales tax. We automatically get a sales tax deduction based on your income, but those large ticket items, such as buying a new car, they would be factoring here as well. And then, of course, your real estate taxes. Uh, the, the, they, they're put on the itemized deductions as well. Now, unfortunately, a couple of years ago, the tax part of the itemized deductions became limited to $10,000. And don't ask me why, I don't really know, because uh, this was a good deduction for people, and we just um, handicapped them down to $10,000, those who have more. And of the tax returns that come through my office at MW Wright & Company, we have a lot of people that have more than $10,000 in taxes that they can deduct on a regular basis, but they're limited at $10,000. The next item is the mortgage interest. Your mortgage interest that you pay on your home is deductible, and it goes under the interest part. Uh, Also, if you have just financed uh, your house or you refinanced your house and you paid points because you bought your points down, your interest rate, if you paid points, those points are deductible as well. Uh, the, 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 The final item, actually, there's two more, but the real final item here uh, of what you can do is your your gifts of charity. Uh, you have a cash opportunity there with any cash that you hand out, pay out, donate, etc. And then you have non-cash. Non-cash would be taking clothing uh, to to a local charity dumpster uh, and, and, and making those donations, the Salvation Army, the Goodwill, uh, etc. And I know there's a lot of places now in your neighborhood where you can go donate that that's then given away to those who are in need. There is also a deduction for casualty and theft losses. You have have a fire. Uh, that that is that is a situation where you maybe were not insured at the level that you should have been. And it ends up you end up losing twenty, thirty thousand dollars. If documented, you can take that as a casualty. If you have been stolen, uh, that, that someone has stolen from you, the, the theft of, of something, or maybe uh, along the lines of you being able to um, uh, find a situation where you have lost money in an unfortunate set of circumstance, the casualty and the theft losses uh, do come into play right there, right, right in this particular case. Uh, the, the, the federally declared disaster area would be another one that would fall here. So your medical, your taxes, your interest, your gifts, cash and non-cash, and casualty and theft. Those are the things that make up the itemized deductions if you are capable of itemizing your deductions. And of course, you got to go through those and make sure before you can make that determination. Our next schedule is Schedule B, which is where your interest and dividends uh, both go. 
And remember, if you are owner financing uh, something for an individual, this is also where that interest goes. Maybe you have an installment uh, or or, um, um, you're you're owner financing a house that you sold, then part of that's principal and and part of its interest. The interest would go right here on Schedule B. Uh, Most of the time we get our 1099s that show our dividends, show our interest, and so you don't have to worry about figuring out if you do or you don't. But there are occasions when you may be financing something for someone and charging them interest, and, and there you go. We talk a lot about entities, business entities on this show, such as corporations, partnerships, LLCs, trust estates, etc. But majority of the businesses in the United States of America are not an entity of an incorporation or an LLC, etc. They are sole proprietor, sole proprietorship. It is a small business. And when you get into not having an entity and you're just a sole proprietor uh, for, for tax purposes, you file your taxes on Schedule C, which is the profit and loss from profit and loss from a business. And of course, you're, you're always going to have your name, your address, and, and and in this particular case, your social security number, which is your identification of owning a small business, and what kind of what kind of accounting method you're on. And most of us are on a cash. It's cash or accrual, one way or another. Want to know if you materially participated in the business because uh, your loss limitations could be limited. Uh, if you did not uh, materially participate, uh, did you were you required to send out any 1099s where you had paid someone over $600? And if you were required to, did you? Those are the kind of questions you'll get answered at the uh, or be asked to answer at the top of the Schedule C. Uh, then you get into your income and then your cost of goods sold. And then, of course, all of your expenses, such as advertising and auto and utilities and interest and maintenance, uh, insurance, travel, meals, office, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And all those expenses can be found on Schedule C. And, and let me also mention that you can find all these forms that I'm going over right now at our www.irs.gov. And you can go to the form section, which is on the very front page of the IRS website and and find all of the forms and not only the forms, but the instructions on how to fill out these particular forms. If that's the route you decide to go with your schedules, the second page of the Schedule C at the top is your cost of goods sold that then uh, transfers over to the first page of the Schedule C on line four. But. There's also down at the bottom other expenses. So if there is an expense that you have that is not listed under part two of the Schedule C for expenses, this is where you would list this the other expenses, which is part five. Now, remember, there's really no such thing as a miscellaneous expense. There is an expense and it goes in some category and you are best to find that category and get it into it. Miscellaneous expense is not something that the Internal Revenue Service wants to see on a regular basis. Sometimes there are situations, but there really shouldn't be. You should find a category and put that expense into that particular category or a chart of account as we talk about it in in accounting. Schedule D, this is where my capital gains and capital losses go. This is where you, when you buy and sell stocks, when you are buying and selling real estate, etc. This is where the capital gains go. 
it is also where capital gain distributions go. So you are in a stock that pays out dividends. Obviously, that goes over on, on, on Schedule B. But if there is a capital gain distribution that comes along with that, then it goes on Schedule D as well, which is line 13. Now, first of all, part one is the short-term capital gains, which is for assets that were held for less than one year. The long-term capital gain is obviously assets that were held for more than one year. The reason this is of important and the importance of you holding it for more than one year is because on short-term capital gains, it falls into your ordinary income tax bracket. When you hold an asset for more than one year, it falls into capital gain tax brackets. So tax rates at capital gains are typically less than what a person's tax rate or their 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 um, the, the amount of tax that they're having to pay on their particular income, ordinary income. So when and all possible, you're able to keep an asset for at least a year, you're going to have a better tax situation when it comes to the end of the year. Now, there are situations where you go out of here and you buy something and you're able to sell it in a, in a short matter uh, period of time. Well, your, your, your profit there and your percentage of profit is of a great degree that you're probably not even really worried about the tax that much when it, when it comes to being able to buy something and sell something within a year. But when you can, you need to try to hang on to those assets for at least one year, and then you will come out on a, on a, on a better path at the end of the year. Our Schedule E is a very used form uh, in the, that, that attaches to the 1040, and this is your supplemental income and losses. The number one thing here would be rental property, your rents. You have a rental property uh, that it goes on Schedule E and it goes on line three of the rent that you collected for the year, and then all the expenses that go below it, uh, such as your advertising and auto and cleaning, commissions, management fees, insurance taxes, um, uh, supplies, repairs, and of course, depreciation, uh, depreciating an asset over the period of time of what that asset um, life expectancy is. And the IRS has things set up to where you have to keep an asset at a, at a particular uh, timeline, such as straight line or double declining balance, which I'm going to touch on here uh, momentarily on the depreciation schedule uh, here in just one moment. Also on Schedule E, the front page would be where you put your royalties. So if you have royalties coming in, let's just say from a gas and oil well, that is where those royalties would go. Also, when you have royalties, don't forget your depletion expense. And the depletion expense is 15% of the gross amount that you received in income from that particular royalty. So make sure that you're putting that on there or make sure you're double checking that your tax preparer is taking advantage of the depletion expense as well. The second page of the Schedule E uh, is a is is a page where all of our entities, our partnerships, our S corporations, uh, our 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 states, our trust, when you receive a K one from one of these type of entities, and we'll just say a limited liability company, for example, when you receive your K one, and remember your K one is your profits and losses of the ownership you have and 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 X amount of entity, such as an LLC. That income and the name of that entity, the EIN number, 
whether you've had a loss, whether you've had a gain, all that goes on to Schedule E, page two, which is also, like I say, as corporations, estates and trusts, and make sure that you are getting getting your K-1s and applying it. A lot of people don't realize that that these type of companies, such as S-corporations, partnerships, LLCs, lots of people don't realize that those companies do not pay tax. The owners of those companies pay tax. So you got to make sure that K-1 comes over. There's also a situation where you have invested your money through a brokerage house, and we'll just say an Edward Jones, for example, and they've invested your money into some kind of partnership that is not a, well, it actually could be deferred, but sometimes it's not deferred. And you will get a K-1 from that company, even though you're expecting a 1099 from the brokerage house, you still get a K-1. And you got to make sure that when you do get that K-1, that it goes on Schedule E, page two as well. So don't overlook that. Make sure you got all your documents and Documents all have to be in the mail by January 31st. So within the week, maybe then you would be capable and able to file your taxes. Uh, the, the, the final schedule that's been a part of the 1040 extension for many, many years is Schedule F. And this is where the profits and losses of your farming and ranching go. Uh, so the, the, the name of, 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 of your company, uh, the, the, once again, the accounting method of cash or accrual, uh, a, a code on exactly what it is that you are trying to raise or trying to grow uh, w- within your farm. All that, all that particular stuff is at the top. The material, materially participating and the 1099 questions apply here as well. And then you get into the sale of livestock that you purchased to resell. Then you get into the sale of livestock that you raised. Uh, also, also your grains and products, uh, produce, etc. They go along there, there as well. Remember that when there are subsidies that you can get from the federal government when you're in farming and you receive distributions from uh, a cooperative distribution called a 1099 uh, PART, and remember that you have to put that down as income on your Schedule F. So if you've received some proceeds, disaster relief payments, uh, such and such, um, a community credit corporation loan, da-da-da-da-da, uh, on and on and on. Anything you receive from a subsidy from the, from the government, you're going to get some sort of documentation, more than likely a 1099, and that is income to your Schedule F. And then, of course, all the normal expenses like we talked about on Schedule C and Schedule E with the rentals uh, come into play as well. But on the on on the farming, there's going to be some other things like like feed and fertilizer and lime uh, uh, seeds, plants. There's going to be some other things that go along with farming and ranching uh, that will come into play on your Schedule F that not necessarily is over on. Uh, the Schedule C or the Schedule E, veterinarian bills, breeding breeding bills, medicine, etc. So Schedule F is where we put our farm and our and our ranch uh, income. Now, the Form forty five sixty two, which is the depreciation and amortization schedule, and obviously it falls back into flows back into Schedule C, Schedule E, and Schedule F. 
So any assets that you may own uh, that pertain to your business, that depreciation is figured on the form 4562. Uh, You have there when you get to it, section 179 expense depreciation, where you can accelerate the depreciation of the assets that you have bought in a particular year. It has to be the year that you bought the asset. That's the year you can accelerate the 179 expense depreciation. We also have special allowance depreciation, which now can be taken up to 80% of the cost of that particular asset in the year that you bought it as well. Um, Assets ranging from three-year assets all the way to 39-year assets. And what I mean by that is most of your assets now, other than real estate, the acceleration of depreciation can be put in play on almost all your assets except for residential, residential rental properties, residential home, uh, a house, that's a 27 and a half year asset, and a commercial property is a 39 year asset. But for the most part, the rest of your assets can be put into play. Now, we also said this is an amortization schedule uh, as well for your amortized items, which could be goodwill. You you gave 100000 when you bought a business but it only came with $50,000 worth of assets. You paid another $50,000 for the goodwill. This is where that would go. That's what an amortization asset is. But lots of things there. Listed property on, on page two of the 4562, which is uh, your cars, your vehicles, etc. Those had to be listed separately in an item where if you had five pieces of equipment that you were depreciating over a seven-year period, those can all be will will all be lumped together and put on put under a seven year property on line nineteen C. Your vehicles have to be listed separately on page two, which is part five of the form forty five sixty two. So more stuff to remember there. A couple of more of the more popular forms that come along with a whole lot of the people who file taxes in the United States of America is child independent care form twenty four forty one. And getting to take a deduction for each child that you have uh, that you pay daycare on on a regular basis. You should be receiving a form from your daycare provider that provides their name, their address, their identification number that they've received from the IRS. Those need to go on there. So and then the amount that you paid. Also, when you are filling out your taxes, you then have to put the child's name down that the daycare applied to. And then you go through the calculations of figuring up based on your income, what your percentage would be as to what you could claim. Now, what I mean by that is once you go over $43,000 uh, in, in, in income, you can only take 20% of what you paid in in child care where if you made $15,000, you could take 35%. And then it's it's staggered from 35% down to 20% as you go. And as the more money you make, which is also kind of also a phase-out clause, if you will, when it comes to child care and daycare expenses. Uh, another big uh, item that we have seen over the years is obviously the student loan, uh, the student education uh, deduction, not the loan, the loan, the interest that you pay on a loan for, for the uh, student or you are the student that can be deducted on the front of the 1040. But the education that you pay 
to uh, an institution for education that that for not only yourself but for a dependent can be deducted as an education expense. So make sure that you more than likely will be getting a 1099, uh, a 1098T, 1098, and of course, T standing for tuition. And that school will be issuing it with the school name, the address, the tuition you paid. There could be some scholarships or grants amount on there. And that would come on the 1098T as well. And you've got to implement that. So uh, the, your, 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 ta- your student loan education deduction, what your student education deduction, not the loan, would be reduced by the amount of scholarship or grant that I may have received. Uh, there is uh, roughly nine questions that you have to answer on the college student uh, to be able to deduct uh, college tuition or, or tuition beyond the high school level. The final form that I want to discuss today is Schedule EIC, which is for earned income credit for when you have qualifying children information, uh, that when you have a child up to three, you are entitled to earned income credit based on your income uh, that you have made throughout the year based on the fact that the child is under 17 years old and a, a few other things that go along with it as well. But the schedule there is EIC, earned income credit. And when you have qualifying children, you're entitled to earned income credit. There's also child tax credits, but that particular has nothing to do with income until you get to a phase out number. I, I have in front of me today for the viewers, they can see it and listening audience. Um, you can you can try to envision and I'm on the IRS.gov website. And this this website has really expanded and grown over the years. Uh, there's a lot of things that you can go here and you can find. And the very first thing where it says, how can we help get your refund status? So after your taxes have been filed, and we recommend that you e-file your taxes, but after your taxes have been filed, you then can go and you can find out the status basically of where is my refund. And it will allow you to to do that. You also can e-file your taxes and make your payment online. Obviously, you need to set up your account, and 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 when you do, then you can you can pay, have it drafted straight out of your account, and you can take care of that online as well. All the forms, all the instructions, which I've already talked about, can be found there as well. And one of the things that people think that getting an employer employer ID number. Uh, from the IRS is a very difficult process, and really it's not. And th- th- that particular item is is a header on the front of the IRS website as well. And you can go right there, and you can have an, an EIN number, an employer ID number, within 10 minutes after your entity has been formed, such as the LLC, the S-Corporation, Corporation, on and on and on. So there's a lot of tools right off the IRS.gov website, and a lot of people don't like to have human interaction. And of course, these days when you call the IRS, it is quite extensive of, uh, of a holding time, uh, in, in essence of an hour and a half. And that's getting st- started early in the morning, such as seven o'clock, trying to get in to talk to a, an IRS agent on and on and on. My first, uh, my first uh, recommendation to you would be go to the IRS.gov website to try to find all your needs. And of course, you can always call us at MW Wright & Company, LLC, 
at 903-463-3121. And we'll, of course, try to help you as well. You can file your taxes online uh, at irs.gov as well. You can e-file them there. A lot of people do their own or through TurboTax. Uh, there are there are other ways out there to file your taxes besides seeing a tax professional or, or having someone else do your taxes. But nevertheless, good, good information. Uh, a lot of the things that a person would need to file most of the tax returns in the United States. Now, anything else you'd like to know, please uh, contact us at info at uh, mx3.vip. And, and let us know what your questions and, and comments are. And, of course, all of our episodes can be found at mx3.vip on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at mx3podcast. So when you do that, don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the icon bell to once again get notified of all of our new content that comes out roughly every Monday morning around 9 o'clock. We've given you a lot of good information here on the IRS. Uh, going back and re-listening to the episode in, in its entirety would be one way to continue to get yourself familiar going and looking at these particular forms. And let's just say you're going to start a small business and you have not done that yet. Go and refresh yourself what some of the expenses are on that Schedule C. If you're going to start, if you're going to get into the rental business here in, in, in 2024, go to the Schedule E and look at the things that you can deduct, the items that come into play. There's always going to be something on these forms that reminds you of, of, of an expense that you have that you don't realize you have. And of course, if you're getting into farming and ranching in, in 2024, likewise as well by going to the Schedule F. And you should go there and you can familiarize yourself with the form and don't wait till the end of the year to try to figure out what I can and can't deduct. You go there now, do the, do the, be proactive and do that, do that process and then, and that research and development before you go into your business adventure. Once again, please info at mx3.vip. We'll try to get some of your questions and comments on the air. And, and if not, we'll have a conversation with you directly uh, through email or directly over the phone, however it is that you would like to uh, gather information from us. And we have a lot of information, so we look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, for everyone who's been a part of this show, continue to live your life the right way.